Long Eastside family. We're glad to have everyone here with us in person and live streaming. Certainly want to welcome Noreen Gardner and Ron, we're so glad to have you. Even though you're in the hospital, that means the world to us that you're here. Jim and Karen, Jamie, excuse me, Jim Inman is here perhaps in spirit. Jim Inman had a twin and he's still alive and he's here today with his wife Karen. It means the world to us to have you all here as well. We have, as Matt was telling you, we have been walking our way just studying through Luke And our objective is to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to follow Jesus. And one of the things that you notice as you study through Luke, as you're trying to follow Jesus in Luke's gospel, is that prayer played a dominant role in Jesus' life and in Jesus' teaching. All kinds of examples that Luke gives us of Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place where he prayed. Times when he'd go to a mountain and he would pray all night. The story of him being transfigured, it completely changed as he was in prayer on a mountain. Luke tells us the story of Jesus praying as he, as he faced the, the anxiety of, of suffering of the cross. As he anticipated a huge decision that he needed to make in his life, Jesus prayed to the Father. And you might think, if there's anybody that didn't need to pray, it would have been Jesus. But that was important to him. Therefore, if prayer was important and was an active part of God incarnate while here on this earth, how much more important should it be in our lives? I believe it's safe to say that it is impossible to follow Jesus in prayer not be or not play a dominant role in our lives. Jesus' disciples understood this. And so in, 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 in Luke chapter 11, we read one day in verse 1, while Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so that's our request of God today. Since prayer plays such a dominant role in the life of a disciple, or it should, we're going to spend the remainder of our Sundays in July looking at passages in Luke on prayer that we may learn to pray or that we may improve our prayer life. But today with our selected passage, instead of me preaching a sermon on prayer, we're going to practice prayer through following the the order that we see here in what is traditionally known of as the Lord's Prayer with songs that have been selected as prayer songs. The songs that we're going to, to pray today are not songs about God. They are songs to God. The prayer template that you'll see here in Luke chapter 11, it, it could be divided in two sections. It starts out with, with God in His glory. That's how we'll begin. And then it's kind of a transition to to mankind and to our needs from God. And I think it's significant to notice that in this prayer, you'll you'll see that all the pronouns and all the verbs are plural. While this is a fantastic model of prayer to, to consider for your individual daily prayers, this is really a communal prayer that we are called to pray together. So we want to invite you, not to sing, but to pray. 
We want to invite those of you who are, who are with us through live stream to join us as well. Noreen, you can sing there in the hospital room even when the, when the nurse walks in. So let's begin offering up this first song to God in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning as your early disciples did. And we ask you now, Lord, teach us to pray. The prayer begins with the words, our Father in heaven. Now, depending upon your translation of Luke, some translations include the words in heaven, some don't. I'm including them. Praying our Father in heaven shows us an incredibly important truth about prayer, showing us that prayer is not ritual, but it is relational. Prayer flows out of this amazing relationship that we have with God as our Father and us as children. This is a beautiful faith in this prayer that we confess of our Christian faith, a beautiful expression or declaration of our Christian faith that when one becomes a child of God, when born, one is baptized and born of water and spirit, Jesus tells us or John tells us in John chapter 1 that they have the right to become children of God. And though he is our Father in heaven, praying this prayer tells us that he is near as a father is to his children. And as I mentioned to you earlier, this prayer is, is plural. We are not praying, my Father in heaven, but this is a prayer, our Father. In this prayer, in this relationship with God, there are no racial or gender or ethnic or socioeconomic nor histor historical insiders or outsiders. He is our Father, the Father of us all who place our lives and our faith in him. And so here Jesus teaches us that prayer is a time of closeness and a time of intimacy with God our Father. And so we pray, our Father in heaven. The prayer continues now as Jesus teaches to pray through praying Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. It means sacred. It means reverent. It means unique. It means set apart. It is proclaiming to God, there is no one else like you. God, you are the one and only. Hallowed conveys a very strong sense of reverence. As we are called to pray, hallowed be your name, it reminds us of the incredible times in Scripture that God's name is given. It tells us the very essence of His character. It describes what He has done and who He is. By giving us all of these names in Scripture, it shows us that God yearns to be known by us. Through his names, God says, this is who I am. And so as in this prayer, we acknowledge the hallowedness of the holiness of God. We also confess and proclaim and are reminded of his calling that we are to be hallowed. 
that we too are, be holy, are to be holy as he is holy. And so though prayer is like we just saw, the time of a, like the time of a child in its daddy's lap, in time of closeness and intimacy and comfort, prayer is, is a sacred moment. In prayer we stand on holy ground in the presence of the only true and living God. And so let's now in prayer proclaim God's hallowedness. At this time, we are going to take to let our children go to junior worship, our children from three years old through third grade. And if you're a guest today and you have children in that age range, just kind of follow the parents going in that particular direction. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Jesus continues this prayer now with the words, your kingdom come. And again, depending upon your translation, some translations also include the words, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, I'm including those words. The kingdom of God, that was huge to Jesus. You can't miss that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in his teaching. And you could say that the kingdom of God could be understood in three stages that at the time of Jesus' coming and the establishment of his church, the kingdom came, but the kingdom continues to progressively come and to expand, but the kingdom will ultimately come in its final fulfillment at the end of the ages. In this prayer, we have declared to God, you are our Father. You are holy. You are hallowed. But now with these words, we declare to God, you are our King. With these words, your kingdom come. We're praying and not asking for His kingdom to come like an earthly nation, an earthly kingdom. We're asking for God's kingdom rule to come in our hearts and our lives. And for His kingdom rule to spread into the hearts and lives of others throughout the world in a kingdom that knows no geographical boundaries. I believe or would suggest that the words your will be done is just another way of saying, Lord, your kingdom come. I mean by that, your will be done. You be king. You reign. You rule. These words are an expression of a submission of my life to God as my king. It's a submission of my will to his. It's a confession. You are Lord. You were king, which is a foundational step of, of entering into a relationship with God as a Christian. These words show us that Christianity is not simply about just getting saved and waiting until you go to heaven. It's about living his kingdom rule here and now on this earth as he rules in heaven. And so Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done in our hearts, in our lives. And so this prayer now makes a transition. It moves from God and His glory to mankind, to our need and our needs with the words, 
give us today, or give us each day, our daily bread. And as it is Jesus teaching us to say these words, it's a beautiful thought that shows us that God really is concerned about, God really cares about our personal, our practical, and our physical day-to-day needs. Praying, give us each day our daily bread is, is an expression to God of our dependence upon Him. It's an expression to God that, God, we trust you to take care of us. It's a recognition that what I have, it's a gift from God. And so in this prayer, we proclaim Him as Father. We proclaim Him as hallowed. We proclaim Him as King. And now we recognize Him as our gracious giver. But again, we must notice that the words here are in the, are in the plural. This prayer is not, give me today my daily bread. This is an expression of unselfishness. This is a concern that I express for others around me with the words, give us today our daily bread. And so in this prayer, we confess, God, we need you. God, we trust you to care for us. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to do so. We're taught to pray, give us today our daily bread. Now in this prayer, we see that Jesus calls us not only to cry out for our personal, our practical and our physical needs, but we also bring before him, and we learn to bring before him our spiritual needs with the words, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And so here we learn that prayer is confessional. We come before God not pretending. We come before God bearing our lives, bearing our souls, fully transparent before him, fully honest, might as well be honest with our lives, honest with the struggles of sin and seeking his continued forgiveness. And we embrace the promise, I love the promise in 1 John chapter 1, that if we confess in this way our sins, scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive us of all, oh that's an important word, all of our sins, all of our unrighteousness. But the hard part of this prayer is it leads us beyond our relationship with God to our relationship with others. This prayer is also a commitment to God of reconciling with others. It brings us to not only to seek His forgiveness, but in turn to extend our forgiveness to others who have hurt us and sinned against us. I mean, honestly, it would be hypocritical to say, God, forgive me when I, in turn, am not forgiving to others. I don't think this prayer would be as hard to pray, therefore, if we just said, God, forgive us of our sins. We could pray that, right? Or forgive us of our sins and we also forgive others. Maybe we could pray that. Or we also forgive most others. But the challenge to this prayer is, Father, forgive us our sins, 
for we also forgive everyone. Everyone who sins against us. And so see what this prayer is doing. It's leading us to a self-reflection, causing me to ask, is there anyone right now with whom I am in conflict, against whom I am holding a grudge and not forgiving? You see, this prayer reminds us that my relationship with God is interconnected. It's tied in with my relationship with, with others. And it, 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 it is a biblical thought that my prayers to God, there's a wall, there's a hindrance there. They are hindered. If I have and I'm holding an outstanding, outstanding conflict with another and so in this theme of forgiveness, in a moment, we're going to observe communion by either going to these tables that are prepared for those who are comfortable with going to the tables or by taking the um, communion kits that are available at this table. And this table, for those who prefer not to go to the tables and have communion at your chairs, it's the bread and the cup that we take that represent the body and blood of Jesus that remind us of what we're praying about here, of his unbelievable forgiveness to us. But it can't stop there. It reminds us to, in turn, forgive others in the same way. And so we want now to offer a song and prayer, seeking God's forgiveness and mercy, and then we'll be led in prayer, and then we'll join together at the tables or with our communion kids for this time of the Lord's Supper. So as certainly an important aspect of our worship, we want to remind you of how we worship God with our offerings that we bring each week, and we make it possible for you to, to bring your offering to God in four different ways. You can mail a check to the church address. You can uh, go online. You can do an automatic draft, that is, through, through your bank. It's quite easy. You can set that up with them. You can go online to our website, eastsidesprings.com. There's a little button there that says give on the homepage. Click on that and follow the instructions. Or you can make your contribution, uh, if you're here in person, on the table there in the box on, on your way out. So as we continue to look at this prayer here in Luke chapter 11, we we again are taught in this prayer to bring before God our spiritual needs with the words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And again, depending upon your translation, it may or may not read, but deliver us from the evil one. I, I again am choosing to include that in this prayer. And so in this prayer and our expressions to God, we acknowledge that it's not always an easy journey. There are difficult aspects of this walk of faith in following Jesus. There are struggles of temptations. And as we have spent the past five weeks looking at, in, in the book of Luke in chapter 4, there is spiritual warfare that we face against an enemy here in this prayer that is called the evil one. And so in this prayer, we cry to God for help. 
In this prayer, we acknowledge that we do not have the wisdom, we do not have the strength to stand against the battle of temptation, to stand against the spiritual attacks from the evil one. We acknowledge, as Jake was praying, that we desperately need God. We desperately need the full armor of God. We need God's leading. We need his wisdom. We need his strength. We need his protection. And so as we're also taught in Ephesians chapter 6 that prayer, as he says, pray in the spirit on all occasions as a combative response to the spiritual warfare we face. We lift up this song to God in prayer. So at this time, you might as well just remain standing. We're pretty much going to have a benediction at this point. At this time, we want to let our parents who have children in junior worship to make your way back in that direction. We so and give a, a big thank you to those who are, are taking the opportunity to care for your children this morning. What a blessing it is to have them. So, so how, do you, how do you end a prayer? As we close today looking at this prayer where Jesus is teaching us how to pray, this prayer has a very awkward ending. There's no like, in Jesus' name, amen, or anything like that. It just, Jesus con continues teaching on prayer. Oh, there, I guess there's a lot you could say about that. But now in some of the translations of Matthew, Matthew has a parallel version of the Lord's Prayer. That's the one typically people look at when we think about the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew's parallel version, again, and depending upon the translation that you have, which I've said a lot today, depending on the translation you have, a lot of the translations include these words in Matthew's Lord's Prayer. The words for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So there's the amen that we're needing for this prayer. And those aren't just words somebody made up and says, that really needs to be there. This is actually, these words are actually an abridged version of the beautiful prayer that we find in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. And in Jesus' day, the Jewish people, when praying their prayers, they would actually often close their prayers with these specific words. And so today, as a form of a benediction, we're going to close with these words of prayer from 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission 
of making disciples of all nations.